It's good to be back with you tonight. Thank you all for being here. And uh, whichever Ferris boy requested that song, I like it. That's one of my one of my favorites. So thank you for singing that song tonight. I should have taken that off a long time ago. Didn't realize that we still had that up there. Well, in Matthew chapter five, verse twenty, Jesus gives us a measuring stick that we can measure our lives by. Except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. It is uh, fair and carnival season, and a lot of those fair and carnival rides have the little thing on the ride in the queue line that you're, you've got to be this tall or else you're not getting on the ride. Jesus gives us a spiritual parallel of that tonight. He says your, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. If we're just like the Pharisees, it's not going to cut it. We've got to be better than the Pharisees. And so tonight, let's examine some of the characteristics of their lives and see if we're doing better than them because Jesus says your righteousness has to exceed their righteousness. Let's look at their, character, their lives and their characteristics and see how we're measuring up. Jesus uses uh, uh, some very strict condemnations and stern condemnations of the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. And we're going to be spending a lot of time there tonight. If you want to turn in Matthew 23, I'll put the scriptures on the verse, but you might want to keep your, your finger in Matthew chapter 23 as we look at things that Jesus is scolding and condemning the Pharisees for and things that we may be guilty of ourselves if we're not careful. And so let's look at what Jesus condemns them for and let's see if we're doing better than that. Now, we should especially note, before we go on, that these were the religious people of the day. We've been talking about them a lot in our study of Acts, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. The religious people of the day were the ones that Jesus is leveling some very stern condemnation of. And the danger for us is, as we strive to be the religious people of the day, is that some of these condemnations could include us, and we need to be on guard to make sure that we are not living like the Pharisees, that we're doing better than them. The first condemnation that the Pharisees received from Jesus that we want to look at tonight is that he condemned them for wanting to be seen of men. They wanted to be noted for what they were doing. They wanted to be seen by others as being the religious people of the day. Matthew chapter 23, beginning of verse 5. Matthew chapter 23, verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace or in the markets and to be called of men, rabbi of men. And that was what was wrong. Not that they were doing no deeds, but they were doing them for the wrong reason. They were doing them to be seen of men. They were making broad their phylacteries. Turn in Exodus chapter 13, verse 16. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 16. They were commanded to do something in Exodus chapter 13, and these uh, Pharisees and scribes were taking it to the next level. They were really going to extremes here with what they were told to do. In, Matthew, in Exodus 13, verse 16. Actually, we'll begin to read in verse... Um, in verse 11, it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and to your fathers and gives it to you, that you shall set apart uh, to the Lord all that open the womb, uh, that is, the, every firstborn that comes from the animals which you have, which you have the, the males shall be the Lord's, 
But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And you, if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of men or of man among your sons you shall redeem. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? You shall say to him, By the strength of the hand of the Lord uh, brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes, for by the strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. They were to write these scriptures. They were to put these things as marks on their hands and as frontlets between their eyes, and they were enlarging these frontlets between their eyes, even making them like boxes where they would make a little box that they wear on their forehead and stuff scriptures in it. So they look extremely religious. And it said they made broad, enlarged the borders of their garments. Turn to Numbers chapter 15. In Numbers chapter 15, we read about this. They were commanded to do something with their garments, with the edges of their garments, and they were going to extremes, making them really big so people could see them. In Exodus, in Numbers, sorry, Numbers 15, let's begin reading verse 38. Numbers 15 Beginning of verse 38. Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and to do them. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. And that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your Lord. They were to put these tassels on the edges of their garments so they would be reminded that they needed to be following God. And they were doing that, but they were making them extra large so they would be seen as somebody who's really committed to the Lord. So others would see them and say, oh, look at, look at old kebab. Look at that long tassel he's got on him. Look at the edges of his garment. Boy, he must be something special. They were doing all this to be seen of men. The question for us this evening is, we're religious people. We're striving to do what God wants us to do. Are we doing it, at least in part, to be seen of others? Jesus condemned them for doing what they did to be seen of others. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, they were condemned for one of, some of those things they were doing was they were doing their good deeds for others to be seen of men. Matthew 6, beginning of verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. They have their reward. They were doing what they were doing to be seen of others. And Jesus says, if you're doing it for that reason, and you get an attaboy from somebody, that's all you're going to get. You're not going to get anything from God. All you're going to get is the reward of men because God's not pleased if you're doing your good deeds for others to be seen of others. We go on in Matthew chapter 6. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Jesus is using some figurative language here as he represents our hands as having the ability to know things. But what he's saying is here, don't Spread it out. Don't um, do it so that others see. Do it where in secret if you can. 
not to be seen of others. And that's a tough commandment. We may read over that and think, well, that's not a big deal, but that's tough, isn't it? Doing good deeds and not letting other people know about it. Do you have to let someone know when you do them a favor? Do you want to let them know? So they think something special about you? Do you have to toot your own horn? Maybe not a lot. I don't brag a lot, but I'll brag just a little bit, just so other people know that I did something good. Do we have to do that? That was a problem with the Pharisees. Why do you do your good to others? So that you'll think they're so they'll think you're a good person, that you're something special. Let me ask this question. Do you do your good deeds to others just because there's no way out of it? If I don't do good to them, then they're going to think badly of me? Is, not, is that not the same as doing it to be seen of others? Well, I know they're in a bind, and I really don't want to help them out, but if I don't, they're going to think I'm not that good of a person, so I'll do it just because I have to. Isn't that the same as doing it to be seen of men? Maybe I'm not doing it so I toot my own horn and get a pat on the back, but I'm doing it just so that they'll not think badly of me. I'm doing my deeds just to be seen of others. We need to be willing to do what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6, being willing to do our good deeds in secret. And we go on in Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 5. They were doing their good deeds to others to be seen of others, and they were doing their religious deeds to be seen of others. Notice verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to have their standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou... When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. They were doing their religious deeds to be seen of others. And we need to ask ourselves this as well. Are we doing what we do? So someone will say, well, look at what a great Christian he or she is. Look at what a wonderful person he or she is. The religious deeds that they're doing, the prayers that they offer before the congregation, the Bible classes that they teach, the encouraging words that they give to others. What a wonderful person he or she is. Is that why we're doing what we're doing? That was their problem. Let me ask you this as well. As a flip side, just like we talked about with doing good deeds to others, maybe the flip side of that for us is why do we do what we do religiously? Why do we attend faithfully? Is it because we don't want to look bad to others? Is the only reason that you're here tonight is because, well, I don't want someone to think badly of me, so I'll come. Isn't that the same as doing it to be seen of men? Maybe it's not for the attaboy, but it's just because I don't want them to think poorly of me. Then I'm doing what I'm doing to be seen of men. And Jesus says, unless we're better than that, Unless we're beyond this, where we're not doing things just to be seen of men, he says we're not going to be pleasing to God. The Pharisees were condemned for wanting to be seen of men, and we've got to be careful about that. How do you measure up? The next point that we want to look at tonight, the next condemnation that Jesus levels against them, is very closely associated with that, and that was that they failed to maintain a pure heart. They were worried about how they looked to everyone else, but they let the inside of their selves rot. Their heart was rotten. Oh, they looked good on the outside, but inside they were rotten. Back in Matthew chapter 23, look at verse 25 beginning. 
In Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Oh, they wanted the cup to be really clean on the outside, but the inside was rotten. And if you're drinking out of a cup, what part do you want to be clean? I don't really care about the outside, do I? The most important thing is the inside. And Jesus says you ought to be concerned about the inside. If you get the inside clean, the outside's going to be clean too. They were more concerned about how they looked to everyone else rather than how they looked to God. And that could be a problem for us as well. You know, we think that no one really knows what I want to think about everybody else. I can think what I want to think about sin, and nobody will know. I want to tell you that we can't hide it. If we're rotten on the inside, we'll end up being rotten on the outside. Matthew chapter 23 goes on. Matthew chapter 23 goes on in the context. says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you liken to whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within, within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. We've been selling a lot of fruit here lately, and I pull a fruit. Some, a peach off of a tree every now and then, and it looks good, but I see just a little hint of something that doesn't look good. And you can pull it back and find out there's all kinds of rottenness in it. The scribes and the Pharisees were like those tombs that looked good on the outside. They'd, and that could be us if we're not careful. And if we're not careful, we'll allow that rottenness to ruin us where we're not worth anything to God. We're not, we're not pleasing to God at all. James chapter 4, verse 8. Notice what James tells us in James chapter 4, verse 8, beginning. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, cleanse your hands. The hands are representative of what we do, how we live. He says, get that right. But notice what also he says. He says, purify your hearts. Make sure your thoughts are right. What you're thinking about. The way that you think, make sure that that's right. Both are important to God. We may focus on what we do and make sure nobody sees us doing anything bad. But are we worried about our thoughts to the same intent? Are we working on that? Are we making sure our thoughts are pure? Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Are our hearts pure? Do you want to see God? Do you want to go to heaven? Well, Jesus says what's important is that we get our hearts right. We get our thoughts right. And the Pharisees weren't concerned about that. 2 Peter chapter 10, verse 15. 2 Peter chapter 10, verse 15 gives us a very high bar to be shooting for. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity most of your thoughts to the obedience of Christ. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. And we're not talking just about the passing thoughts or temptations that may come into our minds. We're talking about the things that we dwell upon, 
the things that we think about. We're to bring every thought into the obedience. The things that we dwell upon, are they pure? The things that we dwell upon in our mind, are they in accordance with what the Bible teaches? Are our attitudes towards sin and sinful behaviors in line with what the Bible teaches? Oh, I don't do that anymore. But it sure looks like fun. I don't do that sinful activity, but I would if I could. No, those thoughts don't line up with God, do they? And with the Bible. What about our thoughts and our attitudes towards others? Are we bringing those thoughts into captivity? Are we bringing those bitter thoughts into captivity? Or do we dwell on how so-and-so did us wrong? Are we bringing those thoughts into captivity? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Are we working on that bitterness? Are we working on that envy? He got the promotion that I wish I had gotten. And I've got some hard feelings about it towards him because of that. Are we bringing the envious thoughts into captivity? Every thought has to be brought into captivity. We've got to be working on that. Now, sure, I can look good to others. And I can be sitting in the pew every time the doors are open. And I can be going about doing good deeds to others. But Jesus says our heart has to be pure as well. Are we doing better than the Pharisees? Well, how can I do that? How can I bring every thought into captivity? Can, you know how many thoughts I have during the day? How can I make sure they're all right? How can I make sure all those thoughts are right? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 gives us a clue on how we can make sure we're bringing every thought into captivity. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Here's how you make sure your thoughts are pure. You are like me, and you have a one-track mind. You can only think about one thing at a time. And I can only think about one thing at a time. And when the kids start talking to me while I'm thinking about that thing, I end up usually, I've been told, giving answers that are not at all the answer that I want to give them. They may say, Dad, can we go uh, play in the middle of the street? And I'm busy reading something. Or something. I say, sure, yeah, go. And Nick said, wait, do you know what you just told them? Because I'm thinking about one thing. And you do that as well, don't you? You think about one thing at a time. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, think about good things, and you won't be thinking about bad things. When a temptation to think something that comes across your mind that you shouldn't be thinking about, think about something good. When that bad feeling about somebody else that maybe have done, has done you wrong comes into your mind, think about something good. When the temptation to think about some sinful thought comes to mind or some sinful deed, think about something good. We can only think about one thing at a time. Be thinking about those things that are good. Maintain a pure heart so that we can be better than the Pharisees. I'll tell you something else that Jesus condemned the Pharisees about, and that was that they were putting themselves before others. The Pharisees had a bad problem of wanting to be the king of the hill, wanting to be the MVP, wanting to be the most important. That was their goal and their aspiration. Notice what Jesus said about them in Matthew chapter 23, verses 5 through 7 again. But all their works they do for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. 
and loved the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the market and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. They wanted those chief places. They wanted those uppermost rooms. They wanted those chief seats. They wanted to be called Rabbi, Rabbi. They wanted everybody looking at them. They wanted to be the most important. Is that your goal? Do you want to be the most important? Do you want to be the MVP of this church? Do you want to be the most prominent member? Do you want everyone looking at you? That was their problem, and we can't be like that. Jesus goes on to tell them in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Jesus says you don't get to the top by going up. You get to the top by going down, by being a servant. That should be our goal, and that should be our aspiration. If you want to be great, start serving others. Don't go looking for those prominent seats, those prominent spots, those prominent designations given by others. No, you assume the role of a servant, and that is what Jesus is looking for. If you want to be great, get busy being small, not get busy being seen. In Matthew chapter 20, beginning of verse 26, But it shall not be so among you, but whoever will be uh, great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says you want to be great, be a servant, be a minister. Because he did that. The creator of this world came to earth and assumed not the role of prominence, but the role of servitude. And if we're his disciples, we must assume that as well. If we don't, we're not any better than the Pharisees. And you know, sadly, many times, rather than assuming this role of servant, we want to assume the role of served. Instead of being servant, we want to be the served. And we get our feelings hurt and we get upset when somebody doesn't serve us the way that we think they should serve us. And many church disputes and many problems have been caused because somebody didn't think they got treated the way that they got, should have gotten treated. And only when I'm seeking that role of prominence do I worry about how others are treating me. If I assume the role of servant, then I'm just the lowly servant. And I'm not concerned about how the others are treating me. I'm more concerned about how I'm treating others. Now, granted, everyone else needs to have that position and that attitude where they're trying to serve me. But my attitude and my outlook is that I'm the servant and I'm not looking uh, for how others treat me. Did Jesus ever complain about how he was being treated? Did Jesus ever complain that no one was washing his feet like they should have been washing his feet? Did Jesus ever complain that nobody was calling him when he was sick? We need to be like Jesus. Others need to be serving us. That's part of our, our relationship together. But our focus needs to be on being a servant. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, we see the attitude of submission uh, shown here. And being in a submissive position is not comfortable for anyone. And I'll tell you, it's especially not comfortable for Americans. 
but we need to make sure that we're being submissive. Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Are we submissive to our brethren? Or do we have to have the uppermost seat? You know, there's been a lot of controversy and conflict in churches over the man who wanted to have the uppermost seat in the business meeting, who wanted to make sure that his voice was heard, that everyone did things the way that he wanted them done. And when they weren't done his way, he got mad and he picked up his ball and he went home because he wanted to be the prominent member. Let it never be so here. Do you, want, do you want your opinion to be taken as the way to go in every matter of opinion? Do you want to have that uppermost seat? The Pharisees were condemned for putting themselves before others and let it not be said of us. Let us be better than the Pharisees. And then we see the Pharisees were condemned for failing to heed God's word. And you might say, no joke. Look at all the things we've been talking about. Look at all the things that they were doing wrong. But I want to tell you, they didn't heed God's word. And not only did they not heed it, they were hypocritical about how they were living. They were not heeding God's word and they were being hypocritical about it. Look at Matthew chapter 23, beginning of verse 29. Matthew 23, verse 29. Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partakers with them in the blood of prophets. They're decorating the tombs of the martyrs, the people who had been killed for bringing God's messages. And they're saying, oh, no, no, no. If we had been them, we wouldn't have done that. We're a lot better than that. Jesus goes on in verse 34. He says, Wherefore, behold, I, will, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Jesus says, you think you're better than them. You think you're living the way that you should. You're being hypocrites because you're going to do exactly the same thing. The question for us to consider tonight is, are we the same way that they are? You know, it's easy for us to point a finger in that in the denominational world and say, I can't believe they're doing that. Do they even read their Bible? How could they believe that that is right? Can't they read their Bible? Do we read our Bible? Are we sure that we're right in what we believe and practice? Have we become like the Pharisees? We're not heeding the Scriptures? Are we being hypocritical? Do we have the attitude of those in Berea in Acts chapter 17, verse 11? In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, notice what it says about the Bereans. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. The Bereans were diligent about studying their Bibles to make sure that everything they believed and practiced was from God. Are you sure that everything that you believe and practice is from God? The only way you know is by searching the Scriptures. In James chapter 1, verse 22, we read, though, that that's not enough. Searching the Scriptures is not enough. That We've got to put them into action. 
And we use these verses a lot when we're talking with those who aren't Christians. When we're trying to t- convince them that just hearing the word of God isn't enough, you have to act on it. You have to obey. I want to tell you this is directed at Christians as well. In James chapter 1, verse 22, But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We can deceive ourselves by thinking that we know the Scriptures and that's all it takes. No, we've got to be doing the Scriptures. The Pharisees and the scribes knew the Scriptures, but they didn't do the Scriptures. They didn't obey the Scriptures. And Jesus condemns them for that. Jesus says our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of a Pharisee. And he condemned the Pharisees because they wanted to be seen of men. And in doing that, they weren't worried about their heart on the inside. They weren't worried about their thoughts and making sure their heart was right. They were putting themselves before others, and they were failing to heed God's word. They were condemned for that. How are you lining up with that? Are you better than a Pharisee? But before we leave the Pharisees tonight, we need to spend a little bit more time looking at them. And notice what they were not condemned for. The Pharisees were not condemned for some of the things that people would condemn the Pharisees for today. And in fact, on our Facebook lately, we've been called Pharisees because we teach the Scriptures. And I want to tell you that the Pharisees were not condemned for teaching the Scriptures. The Pharisees were not condemned for insisting that the smallest details of the Scriptures be heeded. Notice what Jesus said about them in Matthew 23, verse 23. Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done, and not to leave the other undone. They were worried about all the fine details. They were growing herbs and spices in their garden, and you don't plant a lot of those. If you've ever had an herb garden, you can do that in a little pot in your kitchen window. But when they harvested the mint and the anise and the cumin, they made sure that they took a tenth of that and they gave it to God. But they were not condemned for that. Notice what they said. These you ought to have done and not to leave the other undone. They had omitted the big things. And they were paying attention to the small things. And Jesus said, no, you got it all wrong. Don't worry about the small things. Don't worry about the details. Just make sure you're worried about love and faith, those things. Worry about that and don't worry about the details. No, he said you need to worry about the details, but you need to worry about the other stuff too. The Pharisees were not condemned for worrying about the details. A lot of people, when we talk about the details, when we say that homosexuality is a violation of God's will, when we say that unlawful need to worship marriage is a violation of God's will, when we say we need to worship God in the way that He's prescribed and that we don't need to make our worship service like an entertainment venue, people say, oh, you're just worried about the details. You're majoring in the minors, you might hear. Jesus is not condemning folks for doing that. He says you should major in the minors. You need to, well, maybe not major in the minors, but you need to focus on the details. He didn't condemn them for that. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, we read, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Everything that we do, we need to do with the authority of God. We need to do it with Jesus' blessing, 
by reading about it here and knowing that this is what God wants from us in our lives. Everything that we do, whatever you do, do we do this? Do we demand this of ourselves? We focus a lot on it in our corporate work and worship together. We want to make sure that everything we do here at South Franklin is in accordance with God's Word. But do we do it in our individual lives as well? Are we making sure that everything in our lives is lining up with what God wants us to do? Or do we slip just a little bit here and there? Well, maybe that's not exactly what God wants. Maybe I'm bending a little bit here, and maybe I'm cutting a little corner here, but that's not a big deal. I'm worried about the big things. No, Jesus said you need to worry about it all. The Pharisees were not condemned for insisting that the smallest detail be observed. They weren't Pharisees for that, and we're not either. If we have contend and demand that the smallest details be observed. I'll tell you something else that the Pharisees were not condemned for. They were not condemned for teaching God's will to others. You know, there's some folks who wouldn't have any problem with the first point we made about being strict. But they would say you need to be careful about teaching that to others. If you teach about strict adherence to God's word, then you might run some people off. You might turn some people off. In fact, one of our Facebook comments that we got was, we just need to preach about Jesus, and then everybody will fall in love with him, and we don't need to worry about the details. Just talk about Jesus and his love, and don't worry about the details. Don't teach all of God that people might have to change to align with. Just talk about love and about Jesus, and don't teach that to others. Jesus says just the opposite of that. Jesus says that we need to teach that. And back in Matthew chapter 23, beginning of verse 1. Matthew chapter 23, beginning of verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes, set in the, scribes and the Pharisees set in Moses' seat. All therefore they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not after their works, for they say and do not. Jesus didn't condemn them for teaching others, did he? He said, do all that they say to do because they were teaching God's word and his will. And we need to do the same. We need to make sure that we're teaching all of God's will. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Romans chapter 10, beginning verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. Are we doing as good as the Pharisees? Are we actively teaching? The fact of the matter is, if we don't teach, others won't learn. They won't learn the saving principles of God's Word if we're not teaching. How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? In fact, Jesus commands us to be teaching others. In Matthew chapter 28, beginning of verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus was telling his apostles to go and teach. But he said, when you convert someone and you make them a disciple, you teach them all the things that I told you which was you go and teach others. And so the chain goes unbroken to us. We need to be teaching others 
the things that we have learned about what God wants for us in our lives. We've got to be better than the Pharisees. Are we better than them tonight? Or is there an area of our life that needs improvement? Jesus said, unless our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, we'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's learn from their lives and from their mistakes. And let's make sure that we're living lives that are pleasing to God. If there's anything that we can do to help you tonight spiritually, will you let us know while we stand and sing?